coming up in the next episode. If you have great leadership in your corner, if you have great mentorship, failure is always an option. <laughs> right? Yes. And, and it gives you the opportunity to learn, to, do, to ask for help, to um, do great things. Welcome everyone again to another interesting episode of The Turning Points with myself, Tsepo. I'm on the line with Shane Vertz. Shane Vertz. Shane is a cybersecurity architect, has worked in the cybersecurity for over a decade, both nationally and internationally. He's a guitarist and composer, loves cycling and playing rugby with his two boys, and is a recent expatriate living in Ontario, Canada. Welcome, Shane, to the Turning Points, and thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, thanks, Tepo. It's a, it's an absolute pleasure, and and I love uh, I love what you're doing. So thanks for having me. Really, really honoured. Thank you so much. Um, I, I mean, what is a South African doing in Ontario, Canada, one of the coldest places on this planet? Um, I think I, I often ask myself that question, and and, and then <laughs> that. I might, I might be lost, but <clears throat> the truth is um, we, this was never planned and, uh, and just life took us on this journey. It was a crazy roller coaster ride and we, we ended up here and it, it's just, you know, I know a lot of people that go through uh, immigration plans and spend a lot of time um, working their life plan toward immigration, but this was the complete opposite for us. Right. And, yeah. So, I mean, how did it happen for you? I mean, a lot of South Africans, especially in the past, say, decade, mm -hmm. have been leaving the shores. I, I was one of those who, who, was, who failed spectacularly at leaving the shores. And, and now I'm back in the country. I mean, how did it happen for you? Oh, you know, the, firstly, it was a whole bunch of passion. And yeah. what, what happened was, and it, was passion, it wasn't passion for the move. It was passion for something that, I locked into and really wanted to do, and I'll give you, you know, I'll use uh, what that was. I was, I was in um, South Korea uh, at a, a partner program event uh, for the organization I used to work for back then. And I'd, I'd met a, a CEO of a, an organization here in Canada who, um, who was building uh, biometric identity solutions. And he, I mean, to this day, I still, I still rate him as one of the best salespeople I've ever met, but <laughs> And which is why he got me here okay. in the first place, because I really attribute that to him. But he, he stood up and he held a, a mobile phone in front of the audience and he said that this would be the next identity platform. There was a whole sales pitch behind it. And I thought, you know what? I want to go work for this guy and I want to go build this thing. And I had no idea where his company existed at the time. And when I arrived back in South Africa, I wrote him a long letter uh, around how passionate I was to, to come and help him build this thing. And it was three years after I'd written that letter that he agreed that this might be the right thing to do. <laughs> three Long years. Oh yeah. Yeah. Wow. I spent three years of um, telephone interviews, planning, offboarding in South Africa. I traveled to, to Toronto once to, to, to visit, um, visit the company they, they chose, you know, they decided they wanted to fly me over. It was, it was just full of passion. There was, there was mutual passion between myself, the CEO, um, and, then, and then I found a, a passion to, to 
coming to Canada and obviously having kids, I thought this is this is just a, a, a huge and um, would probably be a successful move for both the family and my career. And so we locked into it. Right. I mean, having lived in South Africa most of your life, right, and and now living in in Canada for three years, what would you say are the main like differences? Mm. Uh, and maybe just go into the pros and cons of each oh, for country. Sure, yeah. 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 So as a as a proud South African, I can say that you know. <clears throat> Uh, when we talk about culture in South Africa, it's, it's a highly diverse, multicultural uh, country by nature, by yes. nature, right? So, um, but, but what sometimes we forget is that, <laughs> that as diverse our, uh, our country is, there are pretty diverse countries out there as well. And Canada, I was very surprised. I didn't know this, but Canada was, was built by immigrants. And when I say immigrants, I mean Every Tom, Dick, and Harry around the globe lives here. So you have not just, you have an international multiculture. And mm. it's very interesting to see. Um, so, you know, and, and that creates a whole bunch of cultural diversity inside of, um, you know, suburb or cities and, and so forth. So I think the pros on, in both areas is just this cultural similarity that you have. You know, if you can handle cultural diversity, um, it's a really interesting place to be because you get to learn about a, a whole bunch of things. Um, okay. The, 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 the cons uh, for me, obviously in South Africa was the very high crime rate. And unfortunately that, you know, that's stemmed from, from many years of, of a whole bunch of things that have led to that. And, 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 you know, I, I won't go into the politics around it, but um, that to me had, had an, had a material impact. I mean, we were, you always hear about knowing somebody who knows somebody or even being affected by uh, either violent crime or crime in general. And um, we were in that bucket. It never really, I'll be honest with you. Crime was never something that drove me out of the country. As I said, it was driven by passion of, of, of wanting to achieve something. Mm. And, but if I go to that con, you know, that was, that's one of the cons I see in, in, in South Africa, and then uh, mutually, um, there's obviously not there's crime everywhere, but not a lot here in 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 Canada, and compared to what you have in South Africa, which also allows you to um, experience uh, activities, outdoor activities um, with your kids. You know, whether it's downtown or in the suburbs, um, you you really feel a, a sense of security. One of the cons that uh, I find. Um, you know, where I live at the moment. Uh, I, I want to say the winter, but I'll be honest with you. It's a love-hate relationship. Um, we, okay. we, love, we love the winter because it's, it, it never stops becoming beautiful. I mean, I still, I still bry in the winter. Um, okay. You know, minus 30 degrees, keeping the meat sure. warm is, is tough. But um, I think, uh, I think what, you know, one of the cons I would have to say is being very far away from your family. I mean, mm. I don't have um, my mom or my dad here or uh, Samantha, my wife, uh, her parents are still in South Africa, which by the way, they should be landing in Canada very shortly. We're, we're immigrating them over. Okay. Um, but yeah, being away, not having a support system. I haven't been back to South Africa in three and a half years. So that does tend to be a little bit of a con when you immigrate. You, you have to really cope, find a coping mechanism to, to, to uh, you know, not fall into a state of depression when you think about all the, all the family and loved ones back home in South Africa. And, and I, I just want to uh, just come in there because uh, 
when I was when I was also overseas on almost a similar mission, I found that to be one of the hardest things. The fact that you have no infrastructure of any kind, not social, not economic, and definitely uh, also a lot of other infrastructure that you don't have because you're studying, especially if maybe you're not immigrating to a country where you have your own uh, Keith and kin there. I I was on my own. My family was back here. Um, you 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 have no access to uh, credit facilities. You have no access to friends. You have to start everything basically from scratch. Uh, mm-hmm. How tough was that for for you and your family? Um, okay, for, so to answer the short version version of the question, it's it was one of the most challenging. Um, times in my life uh, to this date it's still a challenge still going but uh, and it was scary and I think uh, you know if I if I think back to my move I remember um, back in 2017 when when I arrived I got a I got well just before I arrived I got my permission from the Canadian embassy in South Africa to 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 leave and I got my visas approved it was within two weeks that I had sold everything in South Africa two weeks I remember donating my last knife and fork, right? I think it was converters or something, but I didn't even ask for money. I just donated it. And two weeks I was on a plane uh, in Toronto, living in an Airbnb for a month while my wife and two children were um, still in South Africa. And I was, I was essentially doing the thing that you just mentioned. I was trying to fit into the economy. I had to look for a home um, to support the family and uh, and and obviously find so, uh, social integration. Uh, sorry, you know, have to social socially integrate. Mm. It, was, it was challenging. I mean, um, one thing at a time is what I what I did. Right? I didn't I didn't do it all at once. It was very stressful. One of the most important things, though, is um, is the social integration. Like you got to lock that down as soon as possible. There's that saying, "When in Rome," right? And mm-hmm. you know, the universe doesn't revolve around you. It's 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 it. it you know, you, or, you, or should I say, you're not the center of, of attention. It's, it's you've got to kind of open yourself up for new opportunities, get involved with the community, because these people will really drive you. And you'll find that um, it, culturally, they, uh, it's, it's interesting. Like you, you're actually surrounded by a whole bunch of immigrants anyway, and they've done it. So um, you kind of find a way to fit in. Mm. And then the economy starts to evolve around you. And you start to... I mean, I remember, this is a secret, but it was so tough that when my kids and wife arrived, I, we literally ran out of money. I had to uh, contact uh, my parents and say, guys, I need $2,000 because I have no money left. Um, my, mm-hmm. my South African currency was depleted. And, um, and it was it was after it was many months after that that we we started to naturally fall back into the economy. Um, we're in a beautiful, beautiful townhome here in in Oakville, um, rated one of the top suburbs to live in Canada. We've got a great big red Ford F one fifty. We're virtually sure. debt free, um, so life is good. But it it was immensely challenging. Mm, mm, mm. And yeah, and and I mean, I take your points and all of them. Um, I, I also, I think uh, there was there was a guy uh, who's, who's a good friend of mine, uh, Paul. 
um, who had arrived there. So before I actually went over, I, I connected with him. Uh, so and and he told me some of the the do's and don'ts and how to get around because he he had also gone through the same thing. And this guy, I, I, straight to God, he was like my saving grace because he almost like knew just the right time just to to keep me at that sanity level because almost like every week he was like let's go to a pub have a drink or two and then go home you know just that south african touch just to socially you know remember remember where we come from uh talk about how we integrate into this economy and also um we started also hatching a plan on how do we take over some of the um uh, professional infrastructures that were there, so it was. It became very good. I think it was. It was very, very essential for my sanity. And uh, everyone who actually immigrates needs to take what you just said and uh, into 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 heart. Um, um, I just want to maybe just backtrack a little bit. I mean, you talk about the fact that your parents are still in South Africa, and so are your wife's parents. Um, Maybe a little bit about your background. Where did you grow up and how was your childhood? Some of yeah. the challenges that you had there. Okay. Um, yeah, that's a good question. So um, I come, okay, so I have what is known as a family bush. So, I, you know, people typically have a family tree. My family tree is so tangled. <laughs> it's it's, <laughs> it's called like a bush. A, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> or a family shrub, if you would. Um, there's, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, it's more complicated than normal. Um, I, I grew up, uh, in Johannesburg, um, and I came from, I had, I have, um, you know, I have two sisters, two younger sisters, um, and one is a half sister. And then I've got, um, two younger brothers who live with my biological father in, uh, in uh, Switzerland. And, um, and I've only seen them once in my life, but, uh, but yeah, it's 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 you know really complicated. I think I think that has added to uh, a lot of the you know where I draw passion and where I draw um, the courage to to set goals and 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 um, accelerate myself in the right direction. My my early life was um, uh, was split between not having um, a, a father figure and then uh, later on in my life, uh, you know, I found that father figure was my stepfather. Um, who, who I really looked up to is an extremely talented um, uh, entrepreneur. Um, so he he taught me a lot of the a lot of the uh, mechanisms and characteristics around how to set goals and do good business, honest business, and and so forth, and and, and scale. So um, I think my life has, interestingly enough, and this is a piece of advice that I always want to give to people is I even though it was so broken, I always found a, uh, a mentor, right? Mm -hmm. And, and when I think about mentorship, it's like you, you were telling the story, uh, literally a few seconds ago about somebody in your life who was, who would accelerate you or, or promote you or, or, or teach you that to me is a mentor. And, um, and, and, and it's a mutual, it's a mutual relationship. It's like mm -hmm. a friendship, but, but you, you know, um, and I think throughout my my early days as a youngster, moving into my early professional career, um, there was always a mentor in my life where we had a mutual relationship. In that, I would learn, uh, I could seek for advice, and and um, and my mentor in turn would would also be gaining some sort of uh, learnership. And uh, I recently had this discussion with uh, 
a close friend of mine um, who who was who had asked this question: How do you how do you set really effective uh, and meaningful goals? And said, well, anybody can set a goal. What you need is you need a partner. You need somebody who can drive you towards success. You need somebody who can ride shotgun. You know. And I always had that in my in my early in my early life. Uh, I, I guess I was fortunate. So it's become muscle memory for me. Right. Um. I mean, you, you in cybersecurity, it's it's a career which very few are in. Very many people are always uh, scared of what happens in that world and stuff like that. How did you get into that? Um, was it something that your mentor also got you into? And what are some of the challenges that you had to face in this cybersecurity field? Um, so you're right. Like a lot of people are very... Uh, I would say the people within my circle uh, in this profession have an innate fear of um, what you know the bad things that can go wrong. But the, the interesting thing about people in this in this circle is that that fear drives them to um, to to preserve and protect, if you want. Um, a lot of my my passion for cybersecurity and security in general really really comes from my upbringing um, and. I think my life has been defined as every <clears throat> every circumstance or event that's taken place has has uh, pushed me and materialized me in in different ways. So cybersecurity is just a result of having this innate passion to to protect people, to protect myself. Right? There's a whole lot, lot of self preservation involved in that. Okay. Um, and I was I was I was fortunate enough uh, to get involved in, in uh, programming, uh, you know, software development in my early days. And that was through mentorship and through a great technical leader that, that helped me work through that. And that set me up on a trajectory of, you know, when you marry um, software development with um, an IT skills with the need to protect, um, you kind of automatically by default fall into a cybersecurity space. And, um, and, and that's, that's what got me there. A lot, of, a lot of the hostilities early on in my life um, have, have pushed me to rethink about how we, how we protect people and data and, and their identities, right, as we move uh, closer and, and faster into this um, digital space. Mm-hmm. And, and I can imagine, I mean, now with COVID having appended the normal, uh, with this new normal, I'm sure your, your skill set has just become, you know, the hottest thing on the block. Are you getting a lot of... Uh, uh, requests for your services? Oh, for sure. I think we are one of the lucky, or should I say fortunate, um, uh, industries uh, in, in information technology that has, has really flourished. Um, mm. and, and that's because, you know, and I always say, when you, you look, given the current situation, everybody has had to migrate social activity, business, and everything to um, their home, which has required them to become connected. And mm. We've seen a lot of systems crash. We've seen a lot of systems being breached. Um, you know, there's this old quote that's a well, recent quote actually. That's another another day, another breach. Um, data <laughs> data is being stolen left, right, and center. And um, I, I consider if I had to think about the silver lining around COVID, which you know a lot of people sometimes fail to see, is that it really has it really is quote the the perfect storm to uh, start rethinking um, how we deal with technology and data and how we, how we start thinking about protecting uh, information. Instead of, instead of just, I mean, our, by nature, our innovation cycles have accelerated like there's no tomorrow just because of the volume of traffic we're seeing online. But 
at the same time, <clears throat> we're also not reinventing the wheel, but with, with thinking about security controls a whole bunch uh, differently than, than, than we would. So it's quite, a, quite an exciting time. It's, it's a really fast-paced environment right now. Um, it's really exciting because uh, of, of the innovation that's, that's occurring in this space. And uh, I can tell you now, Tip, with all honesty, um, we are eight for eight. So basically, we are eight new hires in eight new weeks, and we're going on to nine for nine. So, and, wow. you know, I've, I've managed all of those hiring opportunities. So it's also great for people getting into cybersecurity for the first time and other people who've been here for, for many years. Right. Um, so, I mean, you're talking about all these opportunities that are happening in the cybersecurity space, but what cybersecurity business is no one building at this point? that you think if someone does this, they're going to coin it. I, well, <laughs> that, that is a, if I, if I, here's the honest truth. If I had, if I had to give you the answer to that question, I would do, be doing myself a disservice. Um, <laughs> that's basically offering uh, free money to everybody. <laughs> but, but I, I mean, say, you, you can be like, you know, Elon Musk, you, 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 you democratize, you know, innovation. This let is the Hyperloop. Go and build it. Why me, can't you me, do that? Let me say this. Let me say this. I, yeah. I'll, I'll answer the question in a different way. Yeah. Um, I think, I think the, the type of innovation that's happening around data security in general, and this is, this is probably more of a technical answer, but uh, I'm not going to try to oversell uh, the idea here. But many years ago, um, you know, cybersecurity experts, we, we've always had this problem with pass, passwords, right? Let me, let me use that as an example. Um, pass, you can never put a security control around somebody sharing a password with someone else. That, that, you know, as soon as that password gets into the hands of somebody else, they have access to, to accounts and all sorts of things. So one of the things that um, occurred in the cybersecurity space was um, they got rid of passwords altogether and started working into a more, uh, you know, single sign-on approach, multi-factor authentication, which sometimes include biometrics. So, you know, we call it device authentication. So there's a lot of innovation in that space to get rid of passwords and put more security controls around um, getting access into the system. So that's an example of how it was dealt with. Now, so what are we dealing with now? And, and what, what is the real meat and potatoes to the answer that, that you're looking for is we have to deal with data differently. And by that, I mean is, this is going to be ludicrous, but removing data from your systems, whether, you know, and specifically credit card information, personal information about yourself, health information, anything that can be considered PII um, information or highly sensitive information about individuals, we have to remove it from the system. And, and sometimes people scratch their heads and go, well, how can you remove data because, uh, you know, that we actually need in order to run our business processes. Well, there are interests, that's the, that's the great challenge, right? That's the great Gatsby. And, and we're working on a, a solution that is, is, is currently able to do that. And I can tell you, um, it's becoming a raging success internationally. So I won't go into the details unless we sign an NDA, but <laughs> uh, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's really interesting when you think about data, it's our net new currency. It's, it's what keeps, it's actually what keeps the lights on. And so we really have to think of what is our Fort Knox for, for data. And um, we're busy building it. Brilliant. Let's take a short break and come back after this. Okay, cool. Cool. So we're going to jump off this and come back on it again.
Okay. All right. Let's do that. Cheers. Welcome back, everyone. Still on the line with Shane. Shane, a former South African, Canadian, uh, South African expatriate in Canada, Ontario. Shane, you said today it's 16 degrees and it's one of the sunniest days in Canada. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's been a slow uptake to get into the summer vibe here. We were actually in the, the pool yesterday. Um, 17 degrees and sunny. Um, we're feeling warm. We're looking forward to the 28 degrees Celsius we're going to have on Wednesday, but that's going to be short-lived. So, yes, yes. yeah. so, I mean, on average, how many sunny days do you get in a year? <clears throat> I think, uh, okay, so I'll tell you this. Uh, we get a lot of sunny days, but that doesn't necessarily translate into warm days. So I, oh, I, can, okay. I can tell you that we've had minus 35 degrees Celsius and it's been sunny. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, yeah that's that's just crazy i mean so you guys are close to uh the united states um how has what has been happening in the states affected what is happening in canada oh it's had a it's had a such a material impact you know we consider our our um north american um friends as as a huge economical drivers there's a there's a major partnership that our two countries um have with each other and, and that partnership extends beyond just the commercial and, and political relationship. It's actually a human, a human, a human partnership. And when we see what's happening in, in North America, it, it actually, you know, even as a South African, just in general, as a human, mm. it, it, it breaks my heart. I mean, I'm, I, I get goosebumps just thinking about it now. Um, and, uh, and, and it's, it's brought out, it's brought out a lot of the worst in people. Um, and I think, I think, uh, it's 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 a time it's a time to force change. I mean, you know, this it's it. What's really interesting to me is how this has been going on for so long undercover, and um, and it's all coming out of the woodwork right now mm. at, at such at such a, a pace. Now, you 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 factor that onto COVID nineteen. It's just the the stress levels that people are going through with both mm. in Canada and North America and across the world are. Um, of the highest uh, we've probably ever seen over the past hundred years, and um, and yeah, I mean it's 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 tough, but I think we can all we can all contribute to um, to you know to to bringing everyone back, to supporting everyone, to unifying, um, and and this is actually one of the reasons why I, I I really want to chat with you is is we're in a digital space, and one of the only ways we can really truly connect now safely is is uh, through platforms like this, and. Uh, I wanted to share my message of encouragement and challenge and hopefully someone picks it up and, and it, it, it shines a little bit, little bit of light on the situation. And then for me, it's, uh, you know, it's job well done. And uh, the, the other day, your, 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 your Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, um, they asked him about um, uh, what, what was happening in, in America and he couldn't speak. Uh, has he has he said anything on Canadian media about uh, the Black Lives Matter uh, protests that have broken uh, across the world? Yeah, it, um, it's a shared 
it's a shared feeling that I think most of us have when we, if we can understand the context of, of his speechless moment, and, it's, and I think it's a personal one for everyone. Um, uh, <clears throat> you start, you see, I think the one thing about Justin Trudeau is, and, and this is a fact, I mean, his first priority as the prime minister is this country, right? And they, obviously there are international relations to maintain, but he's been very, very specific and clear about um, protecting Canadians first. Right. Mm. And is that is that old saying is if you can't look after yourself, you, you should be careful to look after other people. Um, and he he has really taken the message to the Canadian level to say, I mean, there's a shared disappointment, no doubt. Don't get me wrong. But um, I, I do have a respect for him to say that this is not just a problem in, in Canada, sorry, in, in the United States or across the world. It's, it's also a problem in Canada. And so we have to deal with it like as as a as a nation. And um and so I think that's where a lot of people sometimes take the context out and they, they, go, they go straight for, um, you know, he doesn't care or uh, the, he's not maintaining international relations. But what's really happening here is we're starting to realize that th this problem is much more widespread than, than just North America. I mean, even in South Africa as a nation, we've, we've had these challenges for years. You and I both know that, you know, coming from uh, from our background, I, I'm not sure how old you are, but you know, I'm 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 33 years old, and I've seen the early transitions um, that we've gone through in South Africa, and I can I can really, I can really cannot overstate this more that as a nation, as a nation, we have to figure it out, and then we can help the world, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, as you say, it's it's a very it's a very tough one, and. And I'm I'm very happy to 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 for you to have reached out because this actually gives us a platform to talk about stuff like this, and that's one of the reasons why I actually started this uh, platform so that people can start talking about things that really uh, have moved them or defining moments in in their life or careers, and this is one of those. Um, yeah. And today, I mean, in South Africa, it's June 16, uh, signifying one of uh, the most harrowing days in this country when yeah. students fought against a system that was that repressive. And, and you and I, you know, we grew up obviously a bit later after that, but we, we still know the scars and the battle that we still have to face in this country. Right. And I want to congratulate you on uh, making an appearance in, in that uh, most recent book, uh, 44, what was it, 44 Young Leaders? Yes. Um, I'm looking forward to grabbing a copy, by the way. I'll have it, I'll have it shipped over or if there's digital copies, but yeah, it, it caught my attention. And, and uh, so, yeah, congrats on that. Thank you so much, man. So, I mean, this is your story. So let's swing back to that, right? Um, um, the challenges. I mean, you, you talk about the reason that you went into security was because of, you know, your personal uh, safety issues that, uh, that, that, that you had to experience because of your, your family background and stuff like that. I mean, what are some of the challenges that you faced from a career perspective and how has that defined you? Yeah, that's a phenomenal question. And I think uh, I, don't have, I don't have all the answers, but I, I certainly am working toward them. Um, one of, the, one of the, the most memorable and best pieces of learnings um, came from uh, my first career mentor. Um, and... Uh, <clears throat> I say career mentor, we actually ended up becoming uh, personal friends and we're still in contact. And uh, there was a, really, really early on, I was given um, a task. I was given a lot of responsibility to 
define the next level of scale for our organization at the time. And what that actually meant was um, I had to respond to, <clears throat> to a, well, I had to bid for a tender um, where we knew we had all the right pieces. We mm. just had to architect the solution and, and build the response. And because I hadn't had that much experience in, in, in the space, I was still growing in my early career. I, I, I was faced with a lot of uh, the early solutioning challenges where I couldn't, I couldn't um, functionally put the pieces together in a, in a way that made sense. Now at the time they, you know, there would have been other people who could have done it, but I was given this task and I, I'm sure that I look back and laugh at it. <clears throat> I'm sure my mentor gave me this task on purpose because, um, uh, one of the one of the things that I could never really cope well with was the the idea of um, of failure and you know and I, I mentioned earlier on in the podcast um, I came from somewhat of a, a broken complicated family background and being the oldest male uh, figure in, in in the family at the time uh, I it, you know it resulted in me having to take on a lot of accountability and I was scared of failing because. I didn't want another, let's call it a breakup, right? And mm. so I had, uh, I had uh, some translate that into daddy issues. Um, there could be other scenarios behind that. But yeah, I had a really tough time dealing with failure. So when I was given this opportunity to take the business to the next scale um, by, by hopefully winning this, this bid, I, um, it, was, it was the accountability got too much. Uh, I, I wasn't able to, uh, e to appropriately ask for help. And um, so I started wasting time and I was doing a lot of, I was procrastinating a lot because I couldn't figure it out. And I just didn't want to get to the end of the tunnel because I didn't have the answers. And I remember the one day I walked into uh, my, my mentor's office and I, I surrendered myself and I said, I, I, I can't do it. I failed you and I failed the business and I failed myself. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I got the answer that I was not expecting. <clears throat> he, um, he said, look, you know, one of the reasons you're in this situation is because you haven't asked for help and, right. and, and we're going to work on that. But you know what? He took the, he took the, the paperwork that I had, the half completed uh, uh, bid and tossed it in the bin. And he said, so we failed. So what? Let's try again next time. It was probably one of the most defining moments in my entire life, let alone my career, because I immediately became comfortable with knowing that if you have great leadership in your corner, if you have great mentorship, failure is always an option. <laughs> right? Yes. And, and it gives you the opportunity to learn, to do, to ask for help, to um, do great things, you know, and it's a teaching that I promote, um, in, in my family life with my kids, it's mm. okay to fail. I promote it with my, my uh, colleagues at, at, at work and, and in my teams there. And it's one of the things that we, we um, one of the things that we use heavily in our, in our learnership programs. Um, so yeah, it, it, it just completely changed my view on, um, failure. on how to fail. Yeah. And failure. Yeah. Yeah. So it's okay to fail. Oh, for sure. If you don't fail, you're not succeeding. Sure. That's, that's quite profound. It's quite profound. I mean, so all these things that you've learned, right? So, and the life that you've lived, all the decision points that you've taken and you meet God, God knocks on your door and you let him in and he says, uh, Shane, 
I'm going to research your life. I want you to start over. What are the three things that Shane is going to change about the way he's going to live his life? Oh, that, wow, is a powerful <laughs> question. Um, firstly, and I think I have, the, I have so many things I would change. <laughs> three, three is always a magic number. So I would say the first thing is I would fail as fast as I can. Um, right. You know, I would embrace those moments. Um, uh, the second thing I would say is I would, I would not, I would advise myself not to take control of the things you can't control. Right. And because that just puts you in a, puts you in a position of helpless uh, solitude where, um, you know, you think you can change the world in, in certain cases and you actually can't. And so you start to believe unrealistic um, uh, things. So sometimes you just have to let go of the steering wheel and, free wheel down the road and, 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 and see what happens. That's the risk. So I guess that would be the third thing is take more risks. Risks lead to opportunities. Not every risk is going to result in a success. And that's mm -hmm. why I think the combination of, uh, of failure, letting go of control and taking risks are probably the three fundamental things in my life that I, I, I do now. And I would give myself advice early on, um, uh, if I, if I had the opportunity. Yeah. Sure. Okay. So here's our random question. We have a random question. The caveat is that you, you have the opportunity to say, uh, I'll answer it or I'll pass. <laughs> All right. Hold on. Before you ask the question. <laughs> I, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to practice what I preach, right? So okay. what I'm going to do is I'm going to embrace the failure. I'm going to give control to you. And then I'm going to commit to taking the risk of answering the question. So <laughs> I'm bracing. <laughs> okay. Um, so my, so my, my question to you is um, if the president was to call you uh, from South Africa um, and say, Shane, we need you back home. We're trying to get our house in order, especially on the cybersecurity front. Um, he, uh, here's the mic, Shane, you need to answer. The first thing I would just check and confirm is, is my house in order? If, okay. if, my, if my house is in order, then I would be able to function at 100% capacity and I would take that opportunity very quickly. Um, so again, this comes back to uh, make sure that you have, make sure your room is tidy before you tidy someone else's, right? I, and okay. so... I guess that's the answer to the question. I would definitely take the risk and opportunity, yeah. Okay. Um, who do you run to for advice? Well, many people. Um, okay. I, think that's, I think that's the... There's no, there's no one single person. Um, I, have, I have been blessed with, again, many mentors and, and, and friends in, in my life. And so I, I, I'm one of those people that likes to get a second opinion on, of, on everything and then kind of build my own kind of story around what should be done um, mm. based on other people's experience. But I would say, yeah, career mentors, um, they are they're in abundance in my life. Um, my wife is obviously a huge sponsor of, of, um, of our family and, and, and always has uh, been a supporting uh, pillar for me. So definitely she's the person I go to first. Uh, okay. And then I kind of take that interpersonal advice and then merge it with some, of my uh, professional um, uh, partnership advice that I get. Okay. Um, I mean, you, you mentioned before failure used to de debilitate you, um, but you got over that because of what your mentor taught you about embracing failure. 
what is Shane or who is Shane afraid of right now? The bad guys. I think, um, <laughs> again, and, and this, is a, this is a great question, like, because if you, if you can understand how to deal with the failure in a positive way, mm. then, then, and I mentioned this right early in, the, in, the, in on the podcast, is, you know, the people in my space have that innate ability to allow failure to drive them in the, in the right direction. So um, my enemies draw a lot of fear. I would say my enemies would be the people that are trying to uh, disrupt the people I'm trying to protect, right? So you can think of those as hackers, uh, cyber criminals, fraudsters. You know, um, the reason I'm, I'm, I'm fearful of them is because um, I am on their, their, just like everybody else who is targeted, I am one of those people. Um, but what, what I'm not scared of is having, it's interesting, I'm not scared of the fact that my data might be breached or my identity might be compromised. I'm scared of the bigger problem, which is uh, a mass breach uh, and, and what that does to, um, to human beings' lives on a, on, a, on a global scale, on a mass scale. Mm. Um, as an individual, that's something I can deal with because I know that I can take control of my assets. I can take control of my security. I can probably recover very quickly. Um, but on the, on the mass scale, um, my enemies definitely draw out a lot of fear, but this is exactly where, what pushes me uh, in the direction of, of putting blockers in front of them so that they cannot get into um, this digital household and, and get access to the thing that is most important to us. And, and so that fear really drives a passion to, to stop them and push back. Right. Um, so, and 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 I mean, I know you're very passionate about you know security and cybersecurity stuff. Um, what are some of the hacks that people can employ to just protect themselves, especially individuals? It's a good good question, and I cannot stress this enough. Um, the the fact that passwords are still out there is a huge compromise. Um, I would urge. Uh, we have great technology available to us where um, you can download products that randomize and secure your passwords. And, um, and the way that that technology has been built is, 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 is relatively secure. In fact, it would be more secure to um, get a technology that, that like a keychain. Uh, Apple, Apple you know, have this by de as a default feature in their product. I would suggest that when people think about their passwords, that they leverage um, these, these types of keychain features to make sure that their passwords are randomized. Um, never use the same, uh, the same password for, for your sites. Just get off of that boat very, very quickly. Passwords are the easiest thing to hack. Um, and, then, and then the last thing is um, you always have to ask why. Like when somebody sends you an email asking you to contact them, I mean, we know it as phishing emails. Um, a lot of the older generation is still going through the process of, of interpreting this digital age and getting an email from somebody saying that you have to change your password or respond or view this document um, is, is not always with good intent. And mm. you have to be so diligent. You've got to ask yourself, do I know this person? Why are they sending this to me? Um, you may not even respond. I would say if you're not sure, find someone in your network and seek advice. Uh, mm. Do not take the risk in this scenario to, um, to answer to something that you are not comfortable in answering mm. uh, because it could lead to a scenario where you become compromised. And um, I've heard too many horror stories where people 
um, release information that, that puts their lives in, in peril and uh, literally financially. And um, that's very difficult to recover from if you, if you haven't been working or been a part of the cybersecurity space. Um, so two things. So do not um, become victim to uh, 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 phishing emails. Employ general knowledge tactics. Ask why. And, and please, don't use the same passwords you use for every site. Use a, use a password encryptor um, and, and a ra- password randomizer. Um, you'll, be a lot, you'll, you'll be a lot safer than most. Right. And, 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 and that's where I think, and I know you, you, you're not in the business of endorsing, but I mean, if someone hears what you're saying about, you know, password being the most archaic and most insecure way of uh, protecting yourself, and say, you know, I like what you're saying about keychain, uh, password randomizer. Which product should I trust? And and for example, for internet banking, how do you make sure that you use a product that you know protects you from uh, phishing or hacking or stuff like that? Because um, there are many products which you will find in uh, your 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 device store. But which product do you swear by to say this one is a good grade, you should try it and stuff like that without really uh, yeah. being salesy about it? No, for sure. And I, you know what? I always, I always use this analogy. Um, this is, you see, the problem with, with going into and buying or subscribing to applications is that it's just another application. It's another piece of thing that you have to maintain. Um, and, and I always start with this saying. Um, adoption, whatever it is that you want to adopt, whether it's a new application or a new way of thinking, it's always going to be driven by convenience. And a good example of this is um, uh, the uh, uh, um, touch ID technology that they had in the previous iPhone um, models where all you had to do was just touch your fingerprint and then it would unlock. So you didn't even need a password, for example, right? Mm. And, And they've evolved that technology to face ID um, uh, on the new iPhone. So I'm not saying the, the biometric uh, controls is, is, is um, what you need to use. What I'm saying is that because it's convenient, it almost becomes natural to use. So you don't want to use an application that is going to create friction in your experience. And so what I would say, guys, if, if you're an Apple user or if you're a, a Samsung or Android user, use, I mean, Apple and Google have the biggest market share in terms of um, application and device footprint in the world. Okay. They, they're not foolproof. Um, they, you know, they, they are, they are targeted by uh, hackers, but I will say that they offer great password um, management capabilities within the operating system. So if you're managing your banking password, um, using an Apple device or, a, or a, 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 an Android device endorsed by Google um, with features that, that uh, allow you to store and encrypt passwords um, is pretty powerful, especially when um, you think about how they actually deploy the technology where passwords are stored locally on the device. So firstly, somebody has to um, steal your physical device, right? They actually have to mug you and take it from you. And then they have to go through the rigmarole of... Um, hacking the encryption profile on that device in order to get access to your key. So there's, you're just introducing more friction for the hacker. And the more friction you can introduce to them while making it convenient for yourself, that would be the best application, I think, to choose. And some people 
um, are okay with introducing friction. And there, there are applications out there like LastPass and, and you know, there's a whole portfolio. Again, I'm not going to sell them, but I would say use the features, explore the features that are on the things you use every day. And if it says security, click on the button and see what options it allows. And nine out of 10, you will see that, um, you know, there's password management. So leverage it, take control of it, leverage it. I like that. Um, the song that you've played the most in the previous week and why? Oh, uh, okay. You've, this is, I love, I come from all walks of music taste, so I would be listening to anything at any point in time, but I will tell you, um, I've been listening to Blake Shelton, God's okay. Country, right. for uh, a while now, and it's just one of those killer country songs. I've, I've Since we bought the truck, um, mm -hmm. I feel like I've become a bit of a cowboy. <laughs> and those trucks are huge. I mean, I think you've just become Americanized. It's <laughs> like, it's uh, like proper tractor. It's big. It's long. You, I mean, you need like two garages to fit that in South Africa. <laughs> and 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 why Blake Shelton and and why God's Country? Um. So firstly, I think Blake Shelton's just, uh, I, I like it. I like his mixture of uh, um, country music and lyrics. I think there's some, some really deep rooted um, themes in, in some of the songs he sings. A lot of it is also, there's a lot of a commercial background behind that. But I think if you, if you try to find the deep rootedness and meaning in his, in his songs, um, so God's Country is a very 
uh, unique one where I, I, I find a lot of labor, a lot of, um, this is, you know, the message to me in that song is the reason why we do the things we do is because we have so many beautiful things in our life. I mean, I, I recently posted on LinkedIn a picture of my boys and myself on this beautiful lake, uh, Ontario, one of the, one of the great lakes in, in Canada. And one of the things that I said in there was, this is why I work. And that's what God's country uh, talks to me about is um, we, we have all this, this um, beauty around us. We have, and, 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 the, and it's, it's, it's not stressfully labor intensive. It's, we do it because we care, because we want to, because we want to help each other. We want to, we want to continue to enjoy and, and, um, and, and spend time. And, uh, and yeah, it's just, it just keeps reminding me that um, there's so much more out there than, than all of the stress that's going on. There's so much beauty in the world. Um, and we should, we, we should really work double time to, to get our, our house in order. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us, uh, Shane. Um, and uh, we, we wish you all the success and continue to inspire us from across the, the world. And um, uh, keep being South African and flying our flags very high. Sepo, it's been a it's been an absolute pleasure, and uh, and and you know likewise, thank you to you, and uh, I hope you continue doing what you're doing. You've you've definitely gained an additional fan in me. Um, thank you so much. I'll I'll, I'll be spreading uh, this message as much as I can, and 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 uh, again, good job, and uh, and thanks. Cool. Thank. Tell tell us uh, where can people find you on the social. Yeah, so uh, you you will find me on on LinkedIn. I'm extremely um, active in that space. Uh, so I, I I use LinkedIn as a platform for communication. Um, you can also go to my company's website. Um, uh, you'll you'll find me there if you need to get in touch. Uh, it's www.datex d a t e e x dot c a. Um, and if if you if you're looking for cybersecurity advice or, or solutions. Uh, just give them a ring and, and ask for Shane. They'll know who to put you in touch with. Brilliant. Okay. Um, thank you, everyone. This was another story that inspire. Um, until another time on the Turning Points podcast, thank you and bye-bye. also be a part of the show by sending us your comments via voice notes or emailing us at the turning points podcast at gmail.com the turning points podcast at gmail.com